Hello and welcome to this Fireside Chat. I'm your host for this segment, Anthony Smith, lead economist and strategic executive producer here at Freight Waves. And I have the honor to be chatting here with Chitin Merici of Locomotive, uh, CEO and founder. Thank you so much for your time today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So just jumping into things, because we had a chance to just kind of chat before this whole interview. And one of the things that came up was your background. You have a background in academia. Um, you know, we're going to get into the origin story of where you are right now. But can you kind of give us a quick backstory on just how you came to this position, um, some of your studies along the way? Uh, of course, uh, my, my uh, formal background is in computer science with a focus on um, AI and robotics. Very, very early on when I was a kid, I uh, developed an interest in computers and I uh, started playing with the computers, programming computers. Very quickly, I started venturing into the realm of, okay, so what if the computers could decide by themselves, make decisions by themselves? And uh, even that was not um, super uh, sufficient very quickly. So I, I got an interest into robots thinking of their own, doing some tasks, meaningful tasks, uh, sometimes alone and sometimes as, as groups of like, teams of robots. That uh, effectively set my research interests and research passion for the next almost two decades. Uh, after my uh, bachelor's, uh, I started doing my master's and then my PhD, again, all, all around robotics and all around um, intelligent robots. About 10 years ago, my academic studies brought me to Carnegie Mellon University, my, my childhood dream, basically. And so I got, to, uh, I got the privilege to work with the, the best and brightest of uh, robotics and AI here. Spent almost a decade here, uh, had the privilege and um, chance to contribute to many projects, learn uh, an enormous amount of know-how, an enormous amount of know-how not to tried a bunch of things, some of that worked, some of that did not work. I always had an interest in the systems, uh, so I, I was always um, invested in building complete systems to solve real-world problems. CMU was the perfect place in the world for that. I met my today's co-founders that, uh, at CMU. We worked, again, close to a decade together from project to project, uh, had fantastic time, and in the end, we liked each other enough so that we decided to start a, a company together. So that's how Locomation was born. Excellent. And so with what, what Locomation does, uh, looking at primarily autonomous vehicles um, and, and as it per, uh, relates to transportation logistics, but it seems like everything that you just kind of gave us a backdrop of led to this whole thing coming together. Can you talk to us a little bit about Locomation and uh, the, the story behind that coming together? Of course. Um, so, in in a nutshell, Locomation develops uh, autonomous driving technologies with a focus on semi-trucks. And furthermore, with a near-term uh, concept of operation around human-guided convoying. So, we are building self-driving trucks, but instead of immediately deploying self-driving trucks alone in a completely uh, humanless fashion, we are uh, coming. We came up with this human-guided autonomous convoy idea where a convoy of two trucks, maybe in the future three trucks as well, uh, the, there's a human driver in the front truck, completely in control, driving manually just like they do today. And the second truck in the convoy is a self-driving truck, but it's a self-driving truck as long as it stays behind this human leader. 
So it makes the life of the autonomy a little bit easier, a little bit um, safer, so that it can be commercialized faster. This is our starting point, and using it as a as a springboard, if you will, we will be uh, collecting a lot of validation data and getting a lot of real world exposure to further develop and harden our uh, self-driving stack so that one day we can actually deploy uh, self-driving trucks at scale. So when we were starting Locomation, uh, coming from a background like ours, we've, uh, we've uh, developed and fielded over 50 autonomous systems. Um, so we could have gone either way when we were starting. The, the hot topic was the robotaxi applications. Um, when we looked at what we should do with Locomation, do we go and uh, try to solve the robotaxi problem first, or do we uh, go after the freight automation part? It was very, very apparent to us very quickly that freight automation is the first truly viable uh, commercial application of self-driving technologies. That's where the opportunity is, that's where the big pain points are, and uh, with a proper, prudent, and responsible deployment of technology, every single stakeholder involved in supply chain today can benefit from it. That was too compelling to pass on, so very quickly we decided that, okay, Locomation is going to start by focusing on freight automation, self-driving trucks, and furthermore, our beachhead is going to be human-guided autonomous convoy. Got it, and you mentioned, so it's impressive that you look at what's going to be the almost the most complicated and the hardest problem to solve and to attack that one first, and admirable with, with your approach with that. And you talk about some of the pain points along the, you know, the trials and tribulations and things like that. What were some of the things that popped up along uh, the development and the continuous development of Locomation that you had to address and kind of think about? Um, full disclosure, as I said, I don't come from logistics or trekking background and uh, none of my founders did either. So we knew how to build robots, but we did know very little about trekking or, or supply chain in general. So when we started examining the industry, uh, one thing that was very clear very early on was that there is a significant efficiency problem. There's a significant uh, asset utilization problem. And asset util assets in this question are not just the trucks. The truck uh, utilization is, of course, very low. I think the industry average is around 30% or so. Uh, but the driver utilization is also suboptimal. And to, uh, to, to further complicate things, there is a growing pain around skilled driver shortage, uh, especially in the long haul uh, driving segment. So when you look at a trillion dollar industry, when you look at the big boulder in that industry, that's the long haul tracking, and when you look at the most uh, limited resource that are experienced and skilled drivers, and you identify a driver shortage there, you really don't need to look any further. So this is the core problem that you should uh, start focusing on. And this is not, ev not, not about uh, uh, completely replacing the drivers or eliminating jobs or anything like that. This is about how do we get our current uh, pool of drivers? How do we make the driving job uh, safer, more uh, comfortable and um, improve the quality of life so that we can actually have more drivers? And how can we make sure that we get the best utilization and best yield out of both our drivers and existing trucks. So that uh, was the the um, the north star or the or the guiding principle, and it was very apparent. Very you, you really didn't have to be a supply chain guru to see that. Okay, so there's a trillion dollar market, and 
there's a pain. It's, it's happening today. It's not five years, ten years down the road. That something has to be done now. The, the, the fuse is really short there. So that was that was our biggest um, uh, motivating factor. And to this date, that's still what uh, what uh, gets us very excited and very invested uh, in this field. And one of the things I love that you mentioned was that this is to also help current drivers right now, um, not just only from a safety, but from an efficiency standpoint. Did you face a lot of resistance early on to potentially, hey, this is going to replace humans as opposed to this is going to help make people you know, more efficient and kind of help them out along the way? Um, we, one-on-one, -on -one, we did not face that, that resistance uh, directly. But there is a, a, that kind of a background concern when you when you ask people. Some people are um, kind of overestimating where the technology is today and the the, the, the uh, real deployment rate of the technology that that is coming down the road. Uh, one thing that's very clear when you actually sit down and do an analysis is that even if we get everything completely right and even if we have magical ones and we can solve all the technology problems today it's going to take decades to replace all the current trucks and the current supply chain and completely automate them and you and i both know that we are not there yet there's still technology work to be done there's still uh, social uh, acceptance work to be done. There is still educational work to be done. So this is a multi-generational problem. I think it is very, very um, clear, and I can say that very confidently, uh, eliminating jobs is not a concern of today's supply chain people, drivers or carriers or shippers. Maybe one day we'll get to a point where everything it, it just makes sense to automate all the, uh, all the driving job. Uh, then it's a different uh, question, but this is so far into into the future. We don't we don't basically know what the future holds. Uh, so it is a, a little bit of a um, kind of a Terminator scenario. We are all afraid of AI uprising and coming after us and and killing all of us. It's really the, the machines are really not there. Humans are still. Uh, we are not. Uh, best at everything. We cannot be the calculator in uh, computing some number crunching uh, stuff, but we still have our edge and we, we will continue to have our special place in this ecosystem. And I think that, that that's an excellent point. And that leads me to the next uh, question I really had is, I mean, you've been, uh, you know, a student of technology essentially your entire life. You've been, you've, you know, you've grown up with it. You've watched it develop in front of your eyes. Your idea or, or your thoughts on the pace of technology and I guess where we are now, I think you, you alluded to it is like we're not there yet where everything's just going to be automated. Um, do you ever feel any kind of sense of impatience or are things developing faster than you anticipated when you look at the rate of technology? The devil is always in the details that there's always way more work than you originally anticipated. So we are definitely, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, we've been making tremendous progress. And by we, I'm not just talking about locomation, I'm talking about as a community, as I'm talking about other uh, developers uh, of self-driving technology as well. There has been enormous progress, but there is just a mountain of work uh, still needs to be done. Here's an interesting thing. Um, people usually uh, tend to overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and underestimate the impact of the technology in the long term. 
So when we get very excited about a new piece of technology, there's like a little hype around it. Everybody gets carried away too much by, by their emotions and expect massive shifts to happen overnight. But in reality, it actually takes time. Even if everything goes right, it takes a very long time for physical things to be uh, adopted by, by people and the real world. But in, say, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, we can't even imagine what, what might happen 30 years from today. We, it's simply beyond, I mean, if you go back 30 years, none of us could have uh, imagined really smartphones or satellite internet or any of the things that we take as granted today. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something to keep in mind. Definitely. I mean, as you mentioned, there's so many unknown unknowns of what's going to be a possibility in the next 10, 20, 30 years, certainly. Um, as you, uh, you know, work with, you know, Locomation and its progress, you kind of mentioned it. Did you have any or are you currently, I guess, constantly always looking a way to temper expectations and really kind of provide, you know, these are realistic benchmarks and if, if so, what are some of the benchmarks that you're hoping to hit in the next five years or 10 years? Um, the list is simply too long, but uh, let me tell you a little bit about our overall um, philosophy around it. We really believe in uh, truly open and transparent communication. We always communicate with all the stakeholders uh, what we think uh, is possible today, where we think we are today, what we think is still remaining work, what are the known unknowns? So there are always a set of questions that we know that we will have to answer, but maybe we don't have the answer yet. And there's always a little bit of room for unknown unknowns. We don't even know what we don't know. Uh, the key is to always be very open uh, and honest with yourself and with, with, the, with customers, with other stakeholders, with, with uh, everybody in the ecosystem. That's our way of basically telling them what we know at any given time. This might be different tomorrow because we will learn something new tomorrow and we might come back and revise our statements, but we will always be open and, and very transparent. Now that sometimes um, goes against the, uh, the, the set expectations because especially in our field, in, in self-driving vehicles, in the past several years, several uh, uh, high profile, let me put it that way, large organizations, a lot of engineers, a lot of investment dollars have been um, uh, working on coming up with KPIs or metrics to actually continuously show progress and uh, communicate how they are better than some other people, etc. But most of these metrics so far are uh, vanity metrics. They are not completely useless, but just by looking at the metric, it is almost impossible to infer the true state of the technology maturity. Uh, it's you can call it a blessing or you can call it a curse, up to you. But today, uh, demonstrating the, the core self-driving functionalities is highly democratized. Anyone with an access to an experimental platform, truck or, or passenger vehicle, and a sufficient knowledge of how to use internet can actually get a self-driving demo together in the order of maybe a couple of weeks or months. And uh, when, you, when you put in that little effort and get that level of demonstration uh, performance, it's usually very impressive. And that's also misleading because people expect the progress to continue at that rate. But the gap between demonstrations and prototypes and an actual product 
oftentimes lies in the un unseen parts of the iceberg. So with the demonstrations and with this metrics, with the demo rights that we can uh, give to the customers, etc., all you can see is what is visible to your eye. But the real delta, the real gap between the product and a, a, a prototype often happens under the hood. That's not visible to the eye, that's not as sexy, but it is just a grunting work you just need to get done. And so one of the things I really admire that you just said is, you know, not getting lost in those vanity metrics. It seems like, you know, you and your team have this uh, guiding light of wanting to serve the industry and the community the best you can and the most efficiently and solve this problem to the best of your ability and really kind of attacking it from that front as opposed to getting lost in these little vanity metrics that really kind of throw you off track uh, from time to time. Curious, with your community and, and this, this industry that you're in, you mentioned that you don't have exactly a, a freight background. Have there been any surprising partnerships uh, that have uh, come together through your time here at Locomation? Oh, um, I mean, the very first thing we did uh, was to acknowledge that we don't know what we don't know as the founding team. Uh, we know how to build robots, but we don't know uh, supply chain. We don't know freight networks. We don't know trekking industry. So uh, we basically started by building our team towards that. And we've been extremely lucky and extremely privileged to have joined by several uh, industry legends, uh, extremely experienced people coming from both freight optimization background and trekking, launching trekking products, launching technology products for trekking fleets background. So now we actually have cradle to grave coverage. Now we have a, an unmatched amount of experience from first principles all the way down to the nuts and bolts in all three dimensions, the technology part. We know the science, we know the complex systems engineering. On the freight part, we know why and where and how the freight moves, and we know how to operationalize it and how to optimize for it. From a product point of view, we know what the fleets need, what are the burning desires, and what is the right way of packaging the right combination of technology, operational support, and backend support into a, a frictionless package so that we can actually make the lives of our customers much better. So it is, it is not just a technology play. We, this is not just we are building a little technology nugget and people will go figure out how to use it. We will help them getting the best out of that technology. And it's, it brings some similarities here to what we do at FreightWaves. Uh, Craig Fuller, the CEO, always talks about uh, bringing, you know, these intelligent uh, subject matter experts, these data-driven individuals, and then having them combined with what you would call tribal knowledge. And then, you know, those individuals have been within the industry for so long and you bring the two together and it really covers an amazing wide area of, of space and bringing that transparency and, and bringing that progress. Um, curious about, so as we mentioned earlier, there's so many things that go into locomation and, uh, you know, whether it's um, computer uh, or imitation learning, machine learning, robot learning, um, all these different things. Is there one area in particularly that you're most excited about, whether it be um, robot learning or machine learning or different types of algorithms and kind of culminating in, into this new technology? Wonderful question. Uh, briefly touching your previous point, uh, I am a huge fan of Craig. I'm a huge fan of the Fuller family. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Eric as well. So I think uh, it, it couldn't have resonated better. 
So we really see eye to eye in our overall approach uh, from first principles all the way down to data driven solution providing. Uh, as far as the one single area that we are very excited about, there is no single area. Uh, and that is a defining trait uh, in our approach to autonomy. We, uh, we don't believe in sledgehammers. Uh, we don't we don't think that there is a silver bullet. There is one piece of technology that if you do it way better than anybody else, it is guaranteed that you're going to succeed. You're going to win. We are talking about really really complex systems engineering here, and we see ourselves more like carpenters uh, rather than Thor with a sledgehammer. So we are we are carpenters and we are agnostic. We have a toolbox. We have many tools in it robot learning, machine learning, or traditional statistical methods, or motion planning, or you, you name it. These are all little tools in our toolbox. When we look at the problem that we, are, we set out to fix or solve, we look at our toolbox. And with a very agnostic, very objective, and very, very analytic eye, we pick the right tools for the right problem. If uh, we don't have the tool in the toolbox, then we see how, how we can come up with the tool, or how we can make the tool better. But we don't think that there is a particular screwdriver that's my favorite and I should try to repair and fix everything just by using that screwdriver. And if, if it's not enough, I'm just going to build a bigger screwdriver and that's, that's going to solve it. That's not a, a very healthy or very um, sustainable approach in our view. And again, this whole thing um, distills from our experience of uh, this width and depth of our past experience. We've seen a lot. We've been through a lot of cycles. We've seen pieces of technologies becoming very fashionable and then falling off of grace and then maybe coming back again. Uh, so that all taught us that there are no silver bullets. Again, there's no free lunch. There are no silver bullets. You need to use the right tools for the right problems. Exactly. And I think I love that point that you mentioned. There are some areas of technology that they become highly fashionable and then it's almost like a trend and then it falls and it's back in fashion. Are there any parts of, now you mentioned there's everything is important here uh, from uh, what you're putting to forth together. Do you think that some other industries adjacent to locomation will benefit from your work that you're doing right now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's almost granted. So the, a couple of key uh, contributions of um, AV, AV development is going to be highly applicable in uh, not just broader mobility applications, but a few other of applications as well. So from the sheer technology point of view, uh, we are, we have to uh, solve not just instantaneous uh, perception problem, but a semantic understanding and over time tracking and prediction problem as well. So it's not just enough to detect whether there's a pedestrian or whether there's a bicyclist. It's also important to be able to kind of infer or guesstimate what that individual is going to do over the next couple of seconds. And that's not a simple inference that you have to take context into account. You have to take what else is going on in the, in the scene into account. And you have to be able to define what context means. And these are very uh, uh, open problems mostly right now. Uh, there are there is constant progress and we are making good good strides at it, but it's not solved. Um, so that's one end, like sheer um, innovation part of it. The second part of it is um, AV autonomous vehicles in general is is a safety critical uh, field. What we are doing uh, 
has the responsibility, we, we are responsible against the general public. What we are doing, we are intending to replicate it and deploy in thousands or tens of thousands. It's going to be really ubiquitous. And uh, it's going to touch the lives of uh, regular people on the, on the streets. So we need to make sure that it's our fiduciary duty. We need to make sure that everything we do is provably safe. It's not just our gut feeling. It's not just, yeah, I think I developed it right and it seemed okay to me. It's, it's not like it's beyond that. We have to have formal and or statistical evidence around its safety and reliability. And some of these uh, frameworks or, or methods uh, do exist. And uh, we are uh, heavily uh, inspiring by them at Locomation. But some of them, especially when we start talking about fully solo driverless, uh, completely unmanned deployment of, of self-driving vehicles, uh, not, a system-wide end-to-end uh, safety validation framework does not exist yet. But throughout this process, we will devise methodologies and we will devise standards in assessing the safety and reliability of any given uh, autonomous system and uh, come up with a, a quantitative, a quantifiable proof of that. That is going to be highly transferable to other safety critical areas. The one of the uh, the first uh, industries comes to my mind is healthcare. It is uh, if one day we would like to really leverage technology and AI and at least help doctors making better diagnoses, we need to make sure that whatever AI is presenting to the doctors to make the final call are probably reliable and consistent. That again is is not does not exist today. We we are everybody's working on that very active area, but we don't have a solution yet. If uh, we we can succeed in deployment of AVs in a safe and reliable fashion, it will indirectly mean that we figured out a way of proving the safety around these complex systems, and then those frameworks will be at disposal of adjacent fields or or other industries. Excellent, and I think. I can only imagine the type of pressure and responsibility that your team has taken upon you to be industry leaders and additionally tackle these frameworks and develop it around these social contracts because it's it's one thing to walk in the steps of someone else, but you're kind of in uncharted territory here when you're looking at this wide scale and this, this uh, type of automation uh, within the world and the impact it's going to have. Um, we're, we're coming up just on time here. I think this can go on for another hour or so because I'd love picking your brain here. Um, but of course, uh, Craig Fuller always asks, and I'm a huge fan of this question, um, could you make one wild prediction over the next year that you think is going to happen either within the industry or within technology? Oh, that's a wonderful question and that's very, very <laughs> difficult. Um, well, I don't know about the exact year mark from today. But I think in the next 18 to 24 months, uh, we will start seeing the first deployment of uh, self-driving trucks. And while the, it's not, not so wild, part of that prediction is that, that that's going to come from locomation. Beautiful. Uh, that, that is going to have, that's going to open up the floodgates. I think uh, it's going to have a, such a profound impact on the acceleration of uh, technology development. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay. We appreciate you. And... Thank you all so much for tuning in for this fireside chat. We appreciate you tuning in and we'll be sure to keep you posted on all the latest with Locomation and Chetland and his team. Thank you so much.